the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast, presented by BetMGM. I am Matthew Michael Cox, one-third of the three-man weave. We are joined by Jim Root and Kai McKeon, per usual. Back in our usual cadence here to break down the Wednesday, Thursday, and weekend slate upcoming as we are in the uh, the heart of the dog days of conference play, it seems like. Um, standard show slate will apply. Uh, fellas, let's get into it. First off, as you're not familiar with the program, we're going to start with the live dog of the week. Going to break down some potential money line specials from the Wednesday and Thursday slates. Do this every week. Let's recap how we did last week, and let's do it quickly because there's nothing to write home about. TCU and Pitt Blue, tragic leads in the second half, uh, destroying our any chance in a money line special hit there. And I think we had a few other ads, fellas, that did not go as planned. But it's a new week, a new dawn, a new day. Let's get to it. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Where's my dog? Uh-huh, I highlighted my what I would call five favorite, six favorite that look like potential, you know, good value money line plays, dogs in good spots, you know, catching favorites that are a little bit vulnerable at this point. Um, let's start Wednesday first, a showdown in Virginia, uh, Mr. McCann. The Who's are hosting their in-state brethren Hokies who are losers of four straight right now without Hunter Couture in the lineup. Mike Young's Hokies are kind of reeling. But, hey, Virginia, no juggernaut themselves, one and four against the number in their last five games. You think the Hokies can go in to John Paul Jones Arena and pull this one off? I sure do, Matthew. I think the Hokies are going to be very desperate to get a win here. Obviously not a great start in the ACC play. I think that's mainly due to Couture's absence. So I'm thinking the Virginia Tech Hokies can pull a little magic here uh, take down the Who's outright. They've lost five straight in the ACC. They need this win like blood if they're to stay in the at-large conversation, in the ACC conversation. So I think they can hang around uh, seven, certainly. Money line, I'm sprinkling. Yeah, these games are historically very, very close, uh, almost no matter the spread, but especially when both teams are very competent, as they are this year. Couture is expected to be back tentatively. Uh, this is where we're recording this on Tuesday. Tentatively expected to be back on Wednesday. That's no guarantee but they're a completely different team with him in there. Arguably their best perimeter defender, the shooter that they run off all their intricate off-ball action. This team actually has some some serious undervalue to them right now. So, Matt, I think there's going to be a worthwhile split your bet on spread because I think seven's going to be too high. And then also a little bit of money line because there's going to be a lot of threes going up on that hokey side. And if they get hot, watch out. Yeah, no, they're really to, to make shots. As Mike Young says, we got guys that can flat out ring the bell. Uh, but obviously without Mr. Hunter Couture in there, that's one of their key snipers. You, I, I'd have to know he's in uh, and healthy to, to feel confident there. Let's hit two more mid-major potential money line specials uh, on Wednesday. The first is UMBC at UMass Lowell. The Retrievers going um, on the road to UMass Lowell, who was a non-conference mini juggernaut, I would say. But Jim are in the midst of some regression as they are one and four against the number in their last five games. However, they did smoke Vermont. So I kind of think this is a team maybe that just rises um, to the occasion. And certainly when UMBC comes to town, that'll be one of the top dogs in this 
league and you could maybe see a potential repeat of that or are you still betting on the regression monster that's been gobbling up the lulls lately I'm betting more towards the regression monster. Uh, they smoked Vermont, but they Scary. also lost outright right. at Binghamton, got blown out at Albany. Those are two teams outside the top 300 in Ken Palm. Like they, they just don't have the same juice that they had in the knock-on. They played a, a terrible schedule, and now they're actually playing teams that are familiar with them. It's a lot of the same cast of characters as last year. I think they're going to see a lot more even games, and UMBC has some real offensive upside. They've looked really, really sharp. Been impressed with them so far this year. Jim Ferry's bunch. Honestly, uh, the, the Vermont blowout raised an eyebrow for me, but it was a huge game from Alan Blunt, who returned from injury, got kind of inordinately hot from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I think UMBC's got a great shot to upset them here, Kai. I do too. I'm just done with Lowell in general. I was on Vermont against them, sandwiched between, of course, the Binghamton and the Albany loss. So just can't time this team. Didn't do well against them in non-conference uh, play, but they have been totally ordinary since then. Their ATS records are normal like you'd expect they're not a juggernaut anymore from that perspective uh i'll probably sit this one out the spread might be a, a bit low frankly from where i have these two teams rated but i totally believe umbc can pull the one here matt i'm just staying away yeah i mean just based on the implied line of five going off Kempom, i'm sure it'll be uh i'm guessing it'll be a little bit lower but it won't be a huge upside in this money line play but uh if you think these two teams are basically near equals um don't believe in some massive home court edge for Lowell, i can certainly see some value you know, taking plus 150 or plus 160 potentially on the money line there. Last one I wrote down for Wednesday, Mr. McKeon, Missouri State heading on the road to Drake. This is a rematch, and we're going to get a lot of these rematches mm-hmm. as we go through uh, the later chapters of our Best Bets on Campus program. Um, Got to look at that first game to see what happened. I think that usually can tell some of the story, or it can make absolutely no sense whatsoever. That's just, just kind of the rhyme and reason of college basketball. Missouri State already beat Drake at home this season. A Kempom thinks they'll be catching close to seven on the road in Des Moines. Do you think you have the, do you think they have the juice to pull off the season sweep of the Bulldogs? Uh, no, I don't. I, I think I don't Drake. <laughs> I think it's Drake's game. Yeah, Missouri State much better at home. They're five and two against the spread at home with a plus two cover margin. On the road, they actually are over five hundred, but it's a different team in my opinion, and certainly an angry Drake team that frankly just missed shots. They had so many opportunities in that first game to win, they blew it. Uh, it was like 52 to 49. So I, I'm not going to back Missouri state here uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Drake did the same thing last year at Missouri state. Couldn't make a single jump shot and ended up losing to them. Got them the other time. Uh, actually, no, excuse me. They got swept in the regular season last time, beat them in the conference tournament. The tournaments right now. I think Drake gets them back here. I just not super high on this Missouri state team. They can swarm you defensively, but in uh, at Drake, I think they, uh, they get their, their retribution on them that. Yeah, I think it's ugly, but I don't trust Missouri State to actually pull off the a second straight regular season sweep of this Drake team that's veteran-laden and uh, fairly accomplished. They got some guys who have been around the block or two. A quick scan toward Thursday. There's three that jumped out, potential Moneyline specials. Um, Kai, any of these three pop to you? And I only chose one as a teaser for my ultimate pick here. The first, though, Georgia State at Old Dominion. Uh, the Panthers got white hot from three last week and after posting like historically bad shooting numbers. So all of the regression came in one fell swoop over the weekend. I wonder if that continues or is that an anomaly? They go on the road to ODU, probably catching close to six. Uh, we have Rice going to North Texas. The Mean Green have been awesome. The Rice has been no slouch themselves. And if you look at the Kempom lineup 12, you could be catching, you know, three to one here on the money line, perhaps higher uh, depending on where that opens up. So I think there's some value in a, in a very prolific shot making team offense and rice. 
And then my favorite of the bunch is William and Mary, Bill and Mary going on the road to Delaware. Um, Kempom has us at eight and I think it probably opened closer to seven or six in the betting markets because uh, Delaware has been betting has been bet against because of the injuries they've dealt with. I think Bill and Mary may be a popular dog here, but I still think they get the job done. That's my pick, Jim. Any of these three jump out to you for Thursday? I'm taking Georgia State. I've been like lying in the weeds waiting for them to show some semblance of offensive competence because I think Jonas Hayes is a good coach. Uh, and Dwan Odom came off the bench. I don't know if rejiggering the lineup kind of set them up better. Uh, but just the fact that they made shots, I think it will build confidence for them. They were truly one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country, maybe the worst before that total explosion last game. I think they can get Old Dominion here. Uh, ODU, pretty solid talent roster. I, I like the pieces they brought in via the portal, but I don't perceive them as a great favorite. And Georgia State, I, like I said, I think is really rising up, Matt. That would be my pick here. I, I think North Texas smokes rice, unfortunately. <laughs> Jim, I agree. North Texas won by 33, 23, and 18 last year against Rice. They had their number, and Rice just survived an overtime game with UTSA. They're a tough team to really trust. Uh, I understand it makes them kind of an attractive variance play, but not against North Texas. I like Bill and Mary, personally. Um, they impressed me by beating UNC Wilmington outright. That shocked me. And if Jameer Nelson's still out for Delaware, they can – frankly, be beaten by anybody. You just saw them lose Northeastern after getting up pretty big in that game. So Bill and Mary can get it done, and they'll be a decent-sized dog as well. Georgia State, no play for me on that one, Matt. Yeah, William Mary already beat Richmond this year, too. It's basically a fringe top 100 team in Kempom. They can certainly uh, knock off Delaware and what's not going to be a pretty uh, you know tough travel spot there. So, yeah, that's my only pick of the, uh, the Moneyline special segment. Jim, Kai, quick recap of your endorsements to listeners. Oh, I'm, I'm getting greedy, Matt. I'm going with four here. Yeah, four. So I'm Jeez. with you. I'm UMBC, Georgia State, Virginia Tech, taking a swing on all of them. I'm also adding Stephen F. Austin on the road at Sam Houston on Thursday, getting eight points there. I think SFA is really undervalued right now because they were just wrecked by injuries. There, there are points this year where they had seven healthy scholarship players, but basically everybody is back now. They've got size, they've got depth, they got better guard play. I think between, uh, Sam Houston and SFA, you've got a lot of familiarity going back to the Southland days. They played each other year after year after year. I think that leads to a close game. So I'm going to split my bet here, take some plus eight. Well, if that's what it is, maybe it'll be a little lower because they're healthier, but I'll take plus seven if that's the case. And then a little bit of money line, because I think it's just going to be kind of a, a grueling rock fight between two very familiar foes. I dig that angle, Jim, but boy, is Sam Houston good. Those Bearcats, man, they got the juice. Uh, I was also on SFA against Southern Utah. They they blew a lead, ended up not covering. I wasn't wasn't thrilled with them. So I'm just sticking with Bill and Mary Matthew and Virginia Tech against Virginia. And I'm just taking half of Kai's portfolio with Bill and Mary. So put all my eggs in the tribe basket. Let's go, Dane Fisher and company. Let's get it done. All right, we move on to section number two of this presentation. It's going to be a quick one because at this point in the conference season, there are not many ripe pickings for what we call blowout city looking for ripe opportunities to bet teams at large numbers. Fire in the hole! Um, but man, the one I saw that popped out as I hit fan match and scrolled to the bottom of Kempom's thrill score page, uh, there was old Hartford sitting there at, um, going on the road to Morgan State as an independent, not a conference game because they are not in a conference this year, Jim. Kempom has this at minus 17. Morgan State is laying 17 points to a D1 basketball team, and that is Hartford. But Hartford has been an absolute calamity, as we all predicted. 
I guess the question is how low can Hartford go? Uh, they can continue to go lower. It appears they like all they're doing right now is playing teams who are mid league play. And this game shouldn't matter at all to them. And half the time they've got familiarity. They're teams they've played in the non-con and they're still getting pasted. Uh, lost by 25 to UMBC. Uh, didn't cover against St. Francis or Sacred Heart. Didn't get killed in those, but uh, they did already play Morgan State to a seven point deficit. But I, I just don't buy this offensive system at all. Hartford lacks talent. Key piece Jared Kimbrough has been out, uh, yeah. missed last game. Easily their best front court player. You take that away and they just go further and further into the lack of Division One depth that they have. I don't love it because Morgan State could sleepwalk through it, but just fading Hartford. I think they're five and eleven against the spread this year. Why not get against that squad? Yeah, uh, that first game was weird. That matchup. Morgan State got up fifteen to two on Hartford, and they let up like a twenty to nine run. It was bizarre. Hartford hung around. It was at their place. Um, certainly not a lot of home games for that team, so maybe a little bit of extra juice there. I think Morgan State's really good. <laughs> and in the non-con, they took Loyola Marymount to overtime. They had some pretty good showings against some much better competition, and they're rolling in the MEAC right now. Uh, impressive win over North Carolina Central. Impressive blowout of Coppin State in their last game. I, I think Morgan can cover this game against Hartford. Yeah, it's a terrible spot because they have to go to Howard um, this next weekend, which is going to be a big game for them as they try and solidify their uh, their, their MEAC you know, top of the totem pole presence. But yeah, I mean, Hartford's Hartford, and you guys kind of spelled it out. It's just there's basically two, one and a half, I would say two D1 players on this roster, and, and Kimbrough's out. That leaves basically Briggs McLean and a bunch of uh, bunch of nobodies. Sorry to, to put disrespect there, but just got to call it what it is. But that concludes the blowout, the depressing blowout city section. Before we get on with the rundown, College basketball season is in full swing, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification eligibility requirements. Rewards issues as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit free bets expire seven days from issuance excludes michigan disassociated persons please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800 next step in arizona 1-800-522-4700 in colorado dc kansas louisiana nevada wyoming or virginia 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in michigan 1-800 gambler in indiana maryland new jersey or west virginia 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Now we're going to break down the power game games of the week. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. We had a three, a trifecta picked out for Wednesday. We're going to be homerish for you two uh, as Mizzou alumnuses. That's not a word, Mizzou alumni. Uh, you will be hosting Pig Suey, Arkansas on Wednesday in a little rematch uh, from a very competitive bout you guys put up at Bud Walden Arena. I know that Arkansas has fallen, um, not really fallen off, but certainly had some turbulence the last couple of weeks, and that may not look as 
impressive as a performance as I think it did at the time, but I still came away very impressed with Mizzou's ability to go into a hostile environment and play well. Now do they get revenge back on home ice, Jim, at Mizzou Arena? They sure do. I, I actually really like this spot for the Tigers. Arkansas has struggled mightily on the road. They struggled mightily against zones. This is going to be a raucous atmosphere and Mizzou will zone. They're going to throw it at them. They're going to mix it up. They did a lot in the first game. Unfortunately, Arkansas just hit a ton of mid-range shots down the stretch. Devo Davis, Ricky Council got into that 12 to 18 foot area and couldn't miss, frankly, during the second half. But I thought the plan was good out of Mizzou. First half uh, really slowed them down, kept them out of transition. If Arkansas can't get to the rim, they really struggle to score, and they prefer to get to the rim in transition. I think Mizzou's going to do a good job of packing it in, taking lessons away from that first game. And if, if the line is right around pick, all you got to do is select the winner here, Kai. Mm-hmm. I like the Tigers getting right at, getting right at home. Jim, I like our Tigers, too. Game one, up 25-8. to eight. They are up 15 towards the end of the first half, and Arkansas came back a bit. Also, frankly, and not to complain too much, but the ref thing was pretty tough down in Arkansas. Uh, the Hogs got to the line probably a little bit more than they should. Ricky Council certainly hit a ton of mid-range jumpers that he's capable of hitting, but still maybe not the one that's sustainable over a long sample size. And this is a get-right game from the zoo, right? They just lost twice in a row on the road to AM in Florida. They shot 10 for 48 from three combined in those two games. Barf. They're going to swing back up here. It is going to be a crazy home crowd. I'm going to be in attendance, so that's worth like six or seven points. Folks, so, yeah. factor that in. Get that in the handicap. Factor that in. It's going to be an awesome environment. I can't wait, Matt. Uh, I, I do like the Tigers here. Yeah, this Arkansas thing is starting to unravel. Like, you watch that Vanderbilt loss. First of all, giving up 97 points to Vanderbilt was uh, was not a good, good omen. But then just the kind of uh, petty... Uh, there's a ton of text, whiny, chippy. It felt very, you know, we've seen Musselman do this before, right? You know, he's got, if he's your guy, you love him. If if he's not, it's certainly easy to hate him. And it was easy to see why he can be a good villain proposing SEC programs. I think it just feels like a team that's starting to kind of fall apart with two key pieces stripped uh, from their moorings there with uh, with Nick Smith and Trevion Brazil. So, yeah, um, that's, that's why I think it's different, Matt, because you go two years back, early January, they lost four out of five. Last year, from mid-December to early January, they lost five out of six. This year, they've lost four out of five. But I think it's different because of the personnel limitations. If you told me Nick Smith was back tomorrow, I'd say, you know what, they're going to be just fine. But I still have some concerns because you take out that lottery talent and you take out their most versatile big and their total lack of three-point shooting, yeah, it could be an issue. Yeah, even Anthony Black's been a little bit erratic the last couple games. It just doesn't have a lot of help around him. We're going to Big 12 country for Bedlam, Mr. McKeon. Oklahoma State hosting Oklahoma for our second of the three power game features on Wednesday. Um, I just, I see you're ugly and I raise you uglier is kind of what I feel like this game turns into. Um, the key thing here personnel-wise is does Musa Cisse return for Oklahoma State and how effective is he? Uh, just an absolute pivotal piece on both ends for this uh, for this Oklahoma State team. Defensively, they need him up front. Offensively, man, they really get stuck in the mud. I think Oklahoma just simply out-executes them here. Uh, what are you looking at? Yeah, OK, State's won three of the last four in this matchup. Uh, they tend to have, I guess, Oklahoma's number, so to speak. But without Musa Cisse in the lineup, if you don't know his status, I think it's hard to back Oklahoma State, despite them being pretty competitive for a while against Texas, against Kansas State without him. Uh, didn't do very well against Baylor. 
I don't trust them to win games, especially against a well-coached team like Oklahoma, especially one with a guy in Tanner Groves who can certainly take advantage of uh, uh, Oklahoma State inside and from the perimeter. I can't back Oklahoma State without knowing his status, Jim. Yeah, the weird thing, I almost think lack of CSA has hurt them more offensively, even though he is a totally dominant big. Uh, in Big 12 play, they're still leading the entire conference in two-point percentage defense, but they're also dead last in two-point percentage offense. They don't have his vertical spacing where they're just kind of, you know, he's he's rolling down the lane like a freight train on a, on a pick and roll, and they can just toss it up and get a free dunk or dump it off to him in that dunker spot and, and get a free layup or dunk. They, they've really lost a route to easy offense that way. And without that, against a well-coached Oklahoma team that's going to go under every ball screen, force you to shoot over the top, I, I don't like that matchup for the way this Oklahoma State team is is made up, Matt. So I would lean towards Boomer Sooner on the road, and uh, I, I think that's going to be the way this one trends without CSA. Yeah, we'll see what that line opens. I bet it's close to pick. I think Ken Palm's got it minus two Oklahoma State, but uh, I bet it trends closer to pick them just given – I think the general sentiment in the market surrounding Oklahoma State without CSA. But again, if he returns, that kind of you know changes the script there. And he um, has he has like been dressed for three straight games. Right. He's close to returning. Really I think. gone yep. through warmups and he returned from his injury in the game. He suffered it. So it always seemed like he was close to coming back. But um he, he dresses and then just like stands under the basket during warm-ups. So you'll you should know early if he's gonna play. All right, last one. Definitely the best game on the Wednesday slate. Marquette hosting Providence. Uh, everyone remembers, well, if you're a diehard fan, you remember the instant classic first meeting between these two this year, double OT thriller uh, at the the venue formerly known as the Dunk. Now it comes back to the Midwest, uh, to Milwaukee, where Marquette has been invincible, although they've been pretty damn near invincible everywhere they've been this season. Um, at some point, Marquette's going to be overvalued, in my opinion. Uh, and I think this is actually a good spot, Jim, to do the – Play Shaka as a dog, except you play Cooley as a dog against Shaka on the road. So I, I know Providence won that first game at, at Providence. I actually think they compete here again on the road. Yeah, these are two of the best five underdog coaches in the entire country by splits. Like it, now you have only one of them can be an underdog. That's a, that's the way the line works. And it's going to be Cooley on the road. They did get that, that huge, huge W and double OT, despite Tyler Kolek had like a personal 9-0 run. In, uh, in overtime there to get them close. Maybe it was a 9-2 run. Interestingly, though, last year, the one the meeting at Providence was really close. 65-63 Providence win. What do you know? They won a close game. The one at Marquette was a 30-point blowout. That was the one that like ripped down Providence in the, all the analytical rankings where lose by 30 and then win your next games by 20 points combined uh, and kind of what started the whole luck-based and, and devalued them analytically. I think Marquette's capable of doing that. The top five Big East teams have all been awesome at home against other top five Big East teams. UConn versus Creighton. Creighton's held serve at home. Marquette, Xavier, Providence have all held serve at home against the, the bigger teams. I think Marquette holds serve at home again here. But depending where the number is, Mr. Cooley is known for sneaking inside that number, Kai, just like he did at yeah. Creighton. Yeah, he did that without Jared Bynum. But I think that is a huge piece of this handicap. You have to know Jared Bynum's in. Providence without him is going to very much struggle against Marquette's pressure. Um, in that first matchup, they just turned the ball over. Providence grabbed offensive rebounds, though, and that's their advantage to, against Marquette on the other end. Some fun little factoids here. Providence right now in, in Big East play, the worst ball handling team in the conference. Marquette, number one in turnover rate in conference play. On the flip side, on that same end, Providence, the best offensive rebounding team. Marquette, the worst 
defensive rebounding team. So certainly advantages on both ends on that side. On the other side, you have the best offense in Marquette in Big East play going against the best defense in Providence in Big East play. It certainly is kind of an interesting uh, force versus force, but without Bynum, I think it's Marquette's game. Even with him in the lineup, Matt, I still sort of lean towards Marquette here. I love this squad. It's a great squad. Yeah, we've been talking about the in height mismatches they've been dealing with, but they overcome them basically every game. They probably should have covered at Xavier. Uh, just two free throws sunk them late there uh, on Sunday. Uh, there's actually a lot of good games on Thursday. I, I apologize for not getting to those, but we're going to focus on mid-major uh, for our Thursday breakdowns. We pivot to our mid-major game of the week. Got two picked out for us. We're going to A-Sun country for our first one. That's Kennesaw at Stetson. He's been a sneaky bottle rocket uh, the last few weeks in this league. And Kennesaw has been awesome pretty much start to finish all year. I think we thought they would be good. They're mega talented. Um, Jim battle for first place here. Stetson probably going to be laying close to a field goal. Stetson hosting Kennesaw at Stetson down there in Dillon, Florida. Dillon? Dillon? How do you say it? D-E-L-A-N-D? Deland, I think. Deland? Deland. In the land, Jim. Uh, what land, do you like here? The land. The land of the Hatters. Land of the Hatters. Land. I've been much higher on Kennesaw basically since I started evaluating teams uh, in the off season, like between these two, but Stetson just gets better and better. They do not miss threes, 15th in the country in three point percentage. Their yeah. whole game is turn this into a half court grind and then we'll outshoot you. And they've done that repeatedly with much success. Kai, they're about as lopsided as a team as you'll find in the country in terms of a 52nd ranked offense, 322nd ranked defense, it's projected to be a slow game, but the efficiency is going to be off the charts. Kennesaw's offense is all about drive and dish, get into gaps, kick out the three, shoot over the top. Stetson actually takes away the three-point line pretty well. Uh, so I actually think Stetson has the better matchup angle with this one. And just the way they're trending, man, the way they've been playing, I've been so impressed. And Kennesaw, it's going to be a tough task on the road. It's been a shocking season for Stetson. They were expected to be a bottom four A-Sun team, and right now they're competing for the top spot. Uh, Kennesaw, on the other hand, more or less expected. They they probably still have uh, exceeded expectations, but um, more less so than Stetson's meteoric rise. Interestingly enough, these two teams are right next to each other right now in Kempom, 176 and 177. Yeah. I think the difference here is, though Stetson has started so hot, I mean, I don't know if their three-point percentage is sustainable 41 percent in conference play and they're also the best ball handling team in conference play that's really taken them towards the top if they have an off night they're kind of screwed because their defense is very bad whereas kennesaw is pretty solid on both ends of the floor they're not really going to make mistakes on either end they're going to be rock solid um so i actually lean towards kennesaw state here i think you saw the cracks with stetson in their last game against eku they got blown out uh, by a very good colonels team I think they could lose this game as well to Kennesaw. So I lean towards the Owls here, Matt. I like the Owls a lot. I'm with you. I think uh, the three-point shooting is much more sustainable on Kennesaw. I think they actually have legit shooters. I think Stetson has a couple uh, with with Panzo and Brown. I don't know if I'd buy the others who, who have made shots at the rates that they have. And even kind of Luke Brown shooting 52%. I mean, I know he's a good cheater, but he's not going to shoot 52% the rest of the year. So I'm, I'm with yeah. you. I think I'm a little bit of regression coming for the, the Hatters. How about Luke Brown, 60% in conference play. He was a 30% shooter last year at Ball State. He is a very good shooter. I remember Ball State fans were clamoring for his debut as a semi-highly talented recruit out of Indiana. But again, I don't think even Steph Curry would shoot 52% for a for a whole year from behind the arc. Uh, a big showdown here in Colonial Country, my second mid-major spotlight game on Thursday. Uh, Jim, not going to be at Trask Arena where UNC Wilmington has kind of 
carved out their own niche as one of the best home court home teams in college hoops. They go on the road to New York, headed to Hofstra, who's been awesome since they got Aaron Estrada back. This is for a battle for second place as Charleston still has the mantle atop uh, the CA leaderboard, but uh, still a lot to play for here. Should be a fun one. Other game that Kempom has pegged as a minus three, uh, basically a coin flip on a neutral, but the minus three for home. What are you looking at? Well, Hofstra was awesome until Monday. Uh, Martin Luther King Day, they got smacked by Towson, put up 47 points on 63 possessions, lost by 21. That was the kind of like eyebrow raiser. Like, what's wrong with Hofstra? What happened here? To me, it feels a little more like an outlier performance, just digging into the numbers. I, I don't think they're going to shoot four of 27 from three in another game. I just don't see that happening. That team is far too potent from beyond the arc to do that sort of thing once again. Uh, and Wilmington, they got right on Monday, suffocated Elon to the tune of a, a little eight-point win, but they were big favorites in that game. Yeah. Didn't actually play that well, just had a, had a strong defensive showing. I think Hofstra actually takes this one, Kai. I'm not willing to bet against Wilmington yet because, man, they've been almost invincible against the spread the last two years. But uh, taking them out of Trask, I think, is rather important. That home court's been, like, super, super strong the last two years. And Hofstra, again, I I think they're going to shoot the ball a lot better than they did on Monday. Yeah, strange couple games for Wilmington. Uh, After the Charleston effort, which they came back and covered, barely lost that game, losing outright at home to Lehman Mary, and then not putting away Elon, concerning. But I still believe this team is very good in – all I see right here is UNC Wilmington as a dog in conference play. I, I lean towards yeah. the Seahawks in that scenario pretty much every single time. I'll probably be on them, but I admit that Hofstra is very, very good. And I don't really like that they're off a major loss to Towson. Definitely some energy in this game for them, some high motivation to get right. I like the spot better for Hofstra. They have a week off after this game where this will be the third of a four game and four and seven game stretch for UNC Wilmington. Um, I, I think those tend to take a toll as you get deeper into conference play. So something to keep an eye on. Maybe the uh, as deep as the Seahawks are, I, I worry that might be losing a little bit of juice. And our not-so-favorite section up next, the Trash Man Pick of the Week. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. Again, conference play. Not a ton to pick out. Uh, for this batch, but Northeastern or Stony Brook jumped to me, and I and I I chose it not because I think both teams are terrible. I just think both teams are weirdly tough to figure out, but also could be terrible. Um, I, I don't know if there's one game I will not bet on more if that makes any sense than this game, Jim. Do you have any read whatsoever? Because I certainly do not. Well, they're both like always terrible for a stretch in every game they play. Northeastern will get down ten in every game. Sometimes they'll fight back. Sometimes they won't. Uh, yesterday on Monday, they did fight back and got a huge win over Delaware, which was rather surprising, even with the Blue Hens shorthanded. But man, uh, Stony Brook will do the same thing. They've been shorthanded all season. Dean Knoll has been out for the entire year. They've had issues with Aaron Clark in and out of the lineup. Again, yeah, Kai, like Matt said, because of some of the absences, because of the in-game erraticism, whether erraticism is a word or not, it's debatable. I like to use it. Sounds but like the one. in-game volatility. The in-game volatility. We'll go with that. Um, if I were to bet this game, which I don't think I will invest in the Trashman pick of the week, it would be live. And I would say somebody gets down 10 or 15, let's get on the other side and and just hope that that works out. Yeah, game one, uh, Stony Brook, one at Northeastern. So maybe a little payback here for Northeastern on the road. Game was ugly, less than 70 possessions, 
No one scored over a point per possession. Both offenses kind of struggle. The one thing I think that goes in Northeastern's favor here is Stony Brook is probably the only team in the conference, or one of the main ones anyways, that doesn't really take advantage of Northeastern's inability to handle the ball. That's been their problem since Tyson Walker left for Michigan State. They've been turnover machines. And Stony Brook forces turnovers at the lowest rate in the conference. They just don't do it. So you put that out, you take away one of Northeastern's biggest weaknesses, all of a sudden they look pretty attractive, especially uh, uh, getting uh, trying to get a revenge spot here after Stony Brook beat them on their home floor. Yeah, I think the revenge angle is notable. Um, I just love my guy Frankie Policelli. It's a bummer that that team has been crucified with injuries this season. They just haven't had any chance to get any sort of momentum. It's why they were a great fade early on. Um, they're not good now, but I don't think they're uh, as fade-worthy as they were earlier in the season. All right, to spotlight. And we mentioned a couple of these teams earlier in our breakdowns, but we're going to basically talk about what I'm calling the conference killers, teams that are undefeated against the spread since conference play commenced. Uh, we have the SEC trifecta. We have the Westerners, and we have the under-the-radar low majors. Am I not so creative? Uh, bucketing of these teams. Let's start with the big boys. Kai, Alabama, Georgia, A&M. Alabama, not surprising. Everyone knows they're good. They've been awesome. They've just been better than people think. Um, Georgia, Mike White, I think we thought they'd be feisty, but man, they've been a mini against the spread wagon lately. Been Texas A&M, have they reversed course after a pretty dreadful non-conference showing? Yeah, I mean, Texas A&M was expected to be a top 40 team by, by most people, ourselves included. They brought back almost everybody from last season, a team that just missed the tournament. So this uh, ascendance, I guess, is less surprising than, say, Georgia, who, while we thought they'd be improved, Matt, you're, you're right. We didn't expect them to beat, for instance, Auburn outright, uh, for them to be 3-1 and one in the SEC to start. I tend to think Georgia and A&M start to conference play is pretty real, especially the manner of which A&M has beaten uh, their last several opponents. I mean, they crushed LSU, Mizzou, and South Carolina, beat them by 40. So I'm pretty in on A&M ascending here. Uh, I think Georgia is much better coached and athletic and locked in. I'm pretty in on them as well. And of course, I'm on Alabama, Jim, as one of the top teams in the country, top five right now, for sure. Yeah, Alabama rocks. They're like in line for a one seed at this point mm -hmm. and totally worthy. Uh, the The curious thing with Georgia and A&M is I think they set themselves up for this ATS success by stinking in the non-con. Uh, Georgia really struggled with injuries. They had guys in and out. They had flu. They had everything you could have go wrong. Uh, and then Kyron Lindsay transferred, maybe a addition by subtraction in terms of chemistry. So they were set up to bounce up. And same with AM. You lose at home to Wofford. You struggle in some of your bye games. The problem is beating South Carolina by 40 vaults them up the analytical rankings right. to yep. a point where maybe there's not going to be value on their numbers anymore. Uh, I, I think they've maybe found their level. They're at 47th now. Before that game, they were 63rd. Like you jump up 16 spots. That actually means something at this stage of the season. They had gone as low as 75th before they got into league play. So I, I think they've kind of normalized. Georgia, though, I think there's still going to be a little value on them because of the health and they're not smashing the same way that Texas A&M is. They're just kind of covering comfortably and, and creeping up in. So I, I like Georgia the most of those three going forward against the number. I think I do as well. Yeah, Georgia had a problem with beating bad teams by, you know, comfortable margins in non-conference play, Jim, because of the reasons you mentioned. Uh, partly, it's just not a team that profiles. Mike White, historically, has never been a guy that that just, you know, crushes as a large favorite. I don't have the data to back that up, but anecdotally, it's just not how his teams play. They're built on defense. They're not built to run away from you on offense. And I think that plays up well, but it doesn't play down well, which does give them value coming into to league play. 
Uh, Kai, we're going to head west to hit on Santa Clara and Nevada, uh, two teams that have not lost against the spread since conference play began. Mm-hmm. Santa Clara had, was a non-conference darling to start. Then they had a little bit of a lull, I would say, kind of toward the end of December. People forgot about him. The AirPods, Brandon Pajimski buzz sort of subsided, but he's still real, and this team is still real, and this coach is still real. Um, what do you think about the Bronx going forward? I'm a fan. I, I support them. I don't know if they're going to be a tournament team. I just think the teams at the top of that conference, your Gonzaga's, your St. Mary's, even BYU, the way they're playing right now, are so good. And, and I don't think Santa Clara has many opportunities to get there. Uh, Nevada, though, Matt, your other team, they've been incredible this year. They haven't really gotten press that, say, New Mexico has in that same conference. Um, but they've made basically almost the exact same rise New Mexico has in the analytical rankings started 132nd at Kimpom. They're top 50 right now. They're 49th. Compared to New Mexico, it's even higher than what New Mexico's done so far in terms of raising up the ranks. New Mexico started 138, they're at 60, and yet Nevada's not getting the press, and they're sitting here atop the conference in pretty good position for an at-large. I, I buy the Wolfpack. I know you do as well, Matt. Uh, it's amazing what getting rid of Jim, we'll say some chemistry issues last season, has done for this team. Yeah, and they're not even like full, full strength. I think they thought Hunter McIntosh would be their best point guard transfer from Elon that uh, had had actually had a pretty solid career for the Phoenix, and he hasn't played at all. He's been injured all year, and they've kind of cobbled together that situation, Matt. I think you've said it's helped them. They've played bigger, and that's helped their defense. Yeah, they're so long. Maybe not having so long. Yeah, super long. Uh, yeah, the the difference is that New Mexico started 14-0, and Nevada didn't start undefeated. So the eye-popping wow record wasn't there but they've been just as effective and and maybe are nearly as in decent a shape as uh for for an at-large santa clara also sneaking competitive but airpods is is rather important i believe he sat out last game you need to keep an eye if he's going to be out of the lineup i think that's going to be an unsustainable run he is worth a million to them yeah they're flirting with last year you look at the kempom ranking they finished 76 last season santa clara like probably the best team in that program's history um and this year they're but they're up to 82. So they're basically right there. I don't believe that this team, even with uh, Pajemski, is as good as last season's team. Um, you know, last season's team had a lottery pick in Jalen Williams and basically a better nucleus or an older nucleus. So just from that lens, I do think Santa Clara is a little bit of a sell. Nevada, I buy more just because of um, you know, just the program history. And, and Alford's had success being a under, I'm oh, sorry, an overachieving coach with lower expectations, right? I think he got kind of a tough, He's better in New Mexico, better in this current situation than I think he is in the prominent spotlight at UCLA. So I kind of buy the pack. Um, Just one one little thing for that Santa Clara thing. I think the spot Saturday where they go on the road to St. Mary's, they, St. Mary's barely won um, at Santa Clara. I think that's a smash. St. Mary's might win big, big, especially if Pajimski's still out. St. Mary's is incredible. Um, we talked about teasing that as like a potential, this is the year they beat Gonzaga and the WCC. Now it's like they're almost favorites to to outpace Gonzaga. That's how good they're playing uh, up to top how about, 10. How about the, the AP poll, Matt? Uh, top 10 in Kempom, but not ranked in the AP poll. What does that tell you? I think the AP poll got it right, as they always do. Okay? So we are uh, we, we we bow down to the AP poll and those yeah. esteemed voters yeah. who know exactly what they're talking about. Uh, Jim, last yeah. little two-furble hit here. Fairly Dickinson and Binghamton. Yes, we went way off the beaten path to mention Fairleigh Dickinson and Binghamton, who are flawless, unblemished against the number in conference play. FTU, new coach, new regime, decent transfers, terrible conference. That kind of makes sense to me. 
it's a, it's a nice little formula for them. I, I, this has kind of been a little bit of a darling for me. I bet them 55 to one to win the NEC in the preseason. Uh, didn't get a lot down on it, uh, regrettably, but they're, they're the only undefeated team left and they've got these, this D two core, their coach and three of their rotation players, including their two best guards are all coming from the same team stack St. Thomas Aquinas college. And that continuity has carried over into the league like you said, an NAC that's super, super down. Uh, I think the fact that they have that kind of familiarity with each other, not a lot of talent elsewhere, they've taken advantage of it. And they have the, uh, these two sub six foot guards at that level, the NEC, it doesn't matter if your guards are small, you're not going to get punished right, in the post right. or anything. So I'm yeah. big fan of them. Kai can talk about Binghamton if he wants. That's been a nice yeah. ascent from where they were, but uh, I'm more enamored with Fairleigh Dickinson. Yeah. I've been on Fairleigh Dickinson. I- Profited off them a couple times in the betting market. Uh, best offense by far in the NEC right now in, in a league not known for offenses. So they've been impressive. Binghamton, Matthew, is a team that's just come back yeah, to what? where I think most people thought they'd be, right? They they started off as a kind of a dark horse, sexy pick to finish top three in the American it's East. Like them or UMass Lowell, right? Like yeah. pick your, your cute sleeper ton of experience, ton of guys coming back from last season, and they just were terrible to start off the year. They lost a little in Maryland, Stonehill, got crushed by a, a much better competition, and now they're on the upswing. They just beat UMass Lowell. They just impressively killed New Hampshire, a team that's been really good so far in conference play. So, yeah, this team just coming back to where we thought they'd be. These type of teams, I think, are really going to be teams that were expected to be good, and now all of a sudden you see this upswing, pounce on it. Get on it before the the, the curve hits the the peak, we'll say. Yeah, and they're getting John McGriff, the St. John's transfer back. Ackland, they got a couple other guys that have been in and out. Binghamton, I, 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 roster looked pretty good on paper. It was awful to start, and now it looks a lot better. Um, and again, same DNA as Fairly Dickinson. The competition matters. So when you're playing uh, a watered down landscape, it certainly can uh, can be another reason to to be undervalued. So Matt, Final. should we mention the other two undefeateds in, in league play? Just just so we don't have them like, hey, but what about my team? Ooh, I, Iowa State. Undefeated ATS in the Big 12. And Southern, your Jaguars, Matthew, undefeated That's ATS right. in the SWAC. I had them graded as one, each of them pushing again or losing. Yeah, let's talk about them. Southern's awesome. I called that. Code me, I'll beat my chest there. Um, this is the year <laughs> Sean Woods gets over the hump as he has been banging his head against the uh, proverbial SWAC while Texas Southern and Grambling have, have had his number. So I think he gets over the hump this year. And Iowa State, yeah, I mean, what was there to say? I mean, the team's just amazing. Um Coach Otts and co at, at Hilton are just, they have that recipe going. And I don't think they finished the year undefeated in a conference play. I'm not sure they're like how much more value or runway they have at this point. They're up to 13th in Ken Palm. Um, but Hey, I'm on them tonight against Texas. So uh, I guess that, that means nothing to the listeners out there, but go clones. Yeah. I just want to give them their due. I don't want their fans to come. Yeah. Like, hey, we're undefeated too. And they how have, dare you. it's a strong fan base. Uh, we're, we're fans of both fan bases, I suppose. Quick final bet recap here. Uh, I'm keeping it tight to the vest. Not a ton of volume for Matthew. I mentioned the William Mary Moneyline dabble at the onset. Uh, I think Oklahoma gets Oklahoma State in Bedlam. And I'm with Jim on Georgia State. I, I'm been, uh, I haven't been lurking in the weeds with you, but I'm going to now kind of tail you as we army crawl into this pit of value that the Panthers will present themselves. So that's my three for uh, Jim. What's your slate for the Wednesday, Thursday um, schedule? Yeah, that's the hope, Matt, that Georgia State figures it out. They are one of my four money lines that I'm going to split with spread. Uh, Georgia State, Virginia Tech, then UMBC and Stephen F. Austin uh, between Wednesday and Thursday. 
And then also I'm going to be back in my Tigers, Mizzou. I love that home spot against Arkansas and the matchup that they showed in the first game. And I'll join Matthew on Oklahoma. I think the Sooners get it done on the road, particularly if CSA is out, Kai. But even if he's in there, I think Oklahoma is just going to be better prepared for that one. Love it. In my live dogs, I'm going Bill and Mary. That's William and Mary for those at home. I'm going Virginia Tech as well in that section. I'm back in Kennesaw State in the mid-major game of the week against Stetson. I'm looking at Wilmington, but I'm not officially going to send it in quite yet. I think they might be a little bit hurt. Has me a little bit scared. Uh, so I'll roll with those three. Kennesaw and the two live dogs. Oh, you won't join me on our Tigers? Come on. And I'm joining Jim on the Tigers. I'm yes. the of course I'm joining Jim on the Tigers. How can there I get Mizzou? M-I-Z. Hey, I'm going to get him as a dog, Jim. Yeah, Z-O-U indeed. Love it. All the hogs. No, I'm not going to do that to you guys. I actually probably should bet Kennesaw as uh, as much as I pumped him up there, but I'll I'll pass on that. Keep it to three. And that does conclude another beautiful episode of the Best Bets on Campus show brought to you by Ben and Jim. The big bets on campus show, but they are the best bets as well, Jim. Uh, please follow us on Action Network app, by the way. We are uh, we're picking more winners than losers. That's all I'll say as I knock on wood to avoid, to avoid the jinx uh, juju. But again, same time next week. Thank you as usual. And uh, thank you, Ben and Jim, for making this all possible. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.